squatters. 36 seconds into the overtime. Right. Oh, let's go. Tristan Robbins bangs away at it second time. Slows it behind for Taylor. It's in the net. Blades Uncut. Episode 25 of Blades Uncut, presented by Great Western Brewing Company, has arrived. Wes, thank you so much for inviting me into the booth. Every single week, you've been inviting me into the booth. I'm going to give a shout-out to Panky, yeah, right? First and foremost, the guy who because he's... You. that I know. Yeah, It's not me. I'm just happy to be here, sort of a thing, yeah. just like you. It's, it, it's Panky's booth. I've been listening to a couple of our recent podcast recordings. Obviously, we're a part of them. Yes. But when you listen back on them, I... You know, it was a theme to just give Panky a quick little thank. Yeah, thanks, Panky. Yeah, yeah I know you do yeah. all the work around here yeah. right at the very end of the episode. Yeah. Well, let's start this episode That's off by right. thanking Panky, as well as the CJWW radio station here for inviting me in. Mm-hmm. But again, episode 25, Blades Uncut, uh, Great Western Brewing Company, of course, a title sponsor for this episode and every episode yes. moving on forth. And what a time of year it is. The NHL has officially kicked off, and yep. you are wearing your Winnipeg Jets jersey proudly today. Yes, this is Wednesday. This, this podcast drops on Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Tuesday evening, after being very disappointed Monday evening by the performance of the Jets in uh, Toronto, they went into Ottawa on Tuesday. Uh, and really, Mitch, I thought after two periods of play that I would be wearing a Blades jersey uh, to this podcast okay. episode. I mean, but you could. I could, but <laughs> I was so thrilled with coming back a second time already this year from a 3-1 deficit to win in overtime and beat the Ottawa Senators. So I decided I would wear my white Jets jersey instead. And there will be other chances for me to wear a okay. Blades jersey to one of these podcast recordings. I know sometimes you wear two jerseys at once from what I understand. How do you mean? Weren't you wearing a jersey over top of another jersey? No, no, jersey? What, what, what it was, I had, I, <laughs> on Tuesday, okay. I wore a Jets t-shirt. I always wear a Jets t-shirt. t-shirt. I, wear, okay. I wear a t-shirt always underneath right. the jersey because these jerseys tend to bite at the skin. So I wore a yeah. Jets t-shirt and put on the Maple Leafs jersey that I have. It is an autographed Austin Matthews actual game jersey because it has the tie down. You've got these jerseys. I've got a few. Okay, it's got the tie down. It's got the tie down, so it's legit. It's authentic, yes. Wow. So anyway, so I put that on over top of the Jets, and as I explained to many people who wondered, what the heck are you doing wearing a Leafs jersey? Mm -hmm. The Jets covered, quote-unquote, covered the Jets on on Monday night, so hence I wore my Leafs jersey over top of the Jets t-shirt. Best of both worlds. Well, that's That's my mistake. Okay, we could do two jerseys at once. There's nothing wrong with wearing a Blades jersey underneath the Jets jersey or vice versa. But that would get a little pretty bit hot, hot after yeah, a bit. Pretty hot. So, yeah, no, yeah, no that's thanks. Right. Well, hey, it's going to be cooling down this weekend. You never know what you'll want to be bundling up. True with. enough. True yeah. enough. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a big episode, obviously. Mm. Uh, we just spoke with Cam Moon. We'll have that conversation coming up here momentarily. But this is a, a, a double whammy type of an episode where Ooh. we've got two good guests coming on. Uh, Cam Moon. Recently hired uh, as the new play-by-play mastermind for 630 Ched up in Edmonton. What a whirlwind sort of a week he's had. Crazy. And then later on, we'll have Nolan Meyer, of course, the starting goaltender for the Blades coming on and uh, just chatting a little bit about his extended offseason and what he's been up to and how he's preparing for whatever sort of a season the Blades may have, when it might start, how it might start, what it'll look like, if we'll have fans. Yeah, We'll see. 
But uh, always good to catch up with a current blade. We haven't had too many current blades come on this podcast. Well, if you take away Tristan Robbins, who's been on three times already, yeah, yeah. But with good reason, I yeah. might add. But we've had a few of the other guys on our draft preview and, uh, uh, you know, a couple of them that uh, were on for other various reasons. But, uh, yeah, it's for the most part, we haven't had a lot of current blades on. So this is good to be able to catch up with one of the really good kids yeah. on the team. You know what? They're all really good kids. I found over they time, are. but but Nolan yeah. Meyer is, has been with the team. He's going into his fourth year and has been tremendous, as far as I'm concerned. So Absolutely, looking forward yeah. to catching up with him. Yeah, we'll catch up with him. We'll have a trivia recap uh, here uh, momentarily after mm-hmm. a chat with Cam, as well as a new trivia question coming up too. Right. Okay. So we've obviously uh, you know mentioned the Jets, what mm-hmm. kind of success they've had. How about my Flames? Yeah. Well, they won Take a couple a look of games back to back over okay. Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> You know, you say that somewhat passive aggressively. No, not at <laughs> no? all. Okay. No, it not sounded at all. Like, okay. If, okay. If, if I'm passive aggressive, it's against the Canucks <laughs> who don't help themselves, just like Edmonton yeah. has not helped themselves. Yeah. These back-to-back situations where you play the same team twice in a row, or in the case of you know, Winnipeg and Ottawa, mm-hmm. you're playing each other three times in a row. Yeah. Um, you better not get swept too terribly often. Because you are going to be in a world of trouble in the standings making the playoffs if you continue to do that too terribly yeah. often. So good on Calgary for sweeping the Canucks, uh, just as it was good on Montreal to sweep Edmonton like that. Yeah. Uh, puts those two teams that got swept yeah. in, you know, behind the proverbial eight ball, if you will. So yeah. it makes it interesting as you continue on. Each of these season series are basically like a playoff series in many ways. So oh. There's going to be stretches where you're, you're playing the same team four straight nights. Well, the wild thing is you're playing a 56-game season. There's seven teams in the division, so that means you're playing six different teams, a total of 56 games. You're either playing yeah. them 10 times or nine times, depending yeah. on how the schedule was worked out. That's a lot of times to yeah. get a little bit of a burr under your saddle for one another. Mm-hmm. By the time this season is nearly over... All seven teams are going to absolutely have a massive hate on for one another. Oh, absolutely. And it's wonderful yeah. for the actual games themselves to be watched. Oh, yeah. I can't wait until Flames and Oilers, you know, clash heads for the first time, which I'm surprised they haven't, you know, maybe opened up the season with a Battle of Alberta yet. But, yeah, um, yeah no, there's, uh, there, there's not much room for error. And if you, you take a look at a team like Edmonton right now, we touch base on the Oilers with Cam Moon. He shares his thoughts on what Edmonton has done, what some of their struggles have been, but they're one and three right now, yep. obviously. Uh, they're in Toronto uh, tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. If they go, you know, it, let's say a Canadian team, Edmonton specifically, goes three or four st- uh, on a three or four game win streak, they're not just taking two points for themselves, but they're taking that away from a divisional opponent. So a lot can change in the span of just one week. So if I'm an Oilers fan right now, obviously there are some changes that might need to be made. You gotta, you know, light the tire under you, but don't worry too much because if Oilers, if the Oilers do find that top gear that we know that they have, it can, it doesn't take long for these, the the standings to compress and completely flip around. Well, and especially with the way the format is, I mean, the more two point victories you get Mm -hmm. better, obviously. But for the other teams that are kind of watching, if you win and win in regulation and you get two and the other team doesn't get any, that's so much better for you on the outside than if you have a situation where there's an overtime game and the winner gets two, but the loser still gets one and they get a chance to even creep up or put some distance between you and them. Uh, That's always something to bear in mind. And 
I, I'm not thrilled that the Jets have uh, you know gone to overtime twice to win. I'm happy they've won those two. Yeah. But giving the other team a point in the standings could be critical down yeah. the line once the season is over. Mm-hmm. No, the three-point games mm-hmm. are very valuable. If you're going to lose a game, at least try to get that one point out of it. Never like the system you know? that they employ. If you're going to have two-point games, they should all be two-point games. If you're yeah. going to have three-point games, they should all be worth three points. Yeah. Not some worth yeah. three and some worth two, but th- that's not going to get anywhere with Gary Bettman in the yeah. NHL. That ship has sailed, so <sighs> don't even worry about it anymore. If there was ever a season where you could implement three points for a victory, maybe this was the year to do it. Yeah, just they weren't going to do it. Considering all the changes that have already That would make too much sense. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this episode, uh, of course, a presentation of VP Restaurant and Bar located at 1403 Idlewild Drive. A big, uh, big supporters of this Blades Uncut podcast. Yes. yes. Great food, great staff. Mm-hmm. Check them out. VP Restaurant and Bar located at 1403 Idlewild Drive. All right. Well, we're ready to go. Let's bring in the guy. Sure. Mr. Cam it. Moon. Okay. The new play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Take it away, Mitch. Okay. So last month... Obviously, we had this guy come on, and it was uh, tremendous to have Camoon come on board uh, this Blades Uncut podcast and share some of his memories from uh, his time with the Blades, obviously his transition through the broadcasting career. And, you know, a lot can happen in one month, but even more this has is, happened in one week for the, for this man. This is the quickest, I think, that we've had a return engagement <laughs> with a guest on the Blades Uncut podcast. Yeah. And with good reason, too. Absolutely. I mean, the the most heartiest and well-deserved congratulations go out to Cam Moon on making the step up from the Western Hockey League, Major Junior Hockey, to the National Hockey League as the radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers on 630 Ched. And it's a story just in getting to that point for Cam <laughs> Moon. Welcome, sir, back to the Blades Uncut podcast. How are you today? I am doing very well. Thanks for having me on because it's great to be back on with you guys. But, yeah, a lot can happen in, in a short <laughs> amount of time, as I found out. Yes. Tell us how it happened. Yeah. Come on. This, this, okay, this, 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 the story okay, is great. Yeah. It's, it's so goofy. It, it won't even <laughs> sound real, but it is, in fact, mm-hmm. real. Here's what was happening. It was, it was just a lazy Thursday. <laughs> uh, the Thursday before the... NHL regular season started. I'm walking my dogs. I'm minding my own business. I'm just staying out of trouble. I get home. My phone rings. It's Brent Sutter. And Brent says, uh, the Oilers just called and uh, they asked, asked me for permission to talk to you. Um, it sounds like, you know, something's opening up uh, radio wise or whatever, but they're going to give you a call. I was like, oh, okay, great. 10 minutes later, they call. Uh, they're like, would you be interested in this? I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'd be, I'd be plenty interested. Um, and then they're like, can you do an interview tomorrow? So I did. So that Friday I did an interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I did another interview on Saturday morning. Then I got the job Sunday. Then it got announced Monday. Uh, I wish somebody would have uh, given me a bit of a heads up of what sort of um, storm was coming my way after it got announced. If it, you know what? It would have been a, a real good heads up because I didn't quite understand what Monday was going to be. So Monday right. turned into a gong show. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tuesday morning, I threw whatever I could in my vehicle because I did have I had no time on Monday. Uh, I threw whatever I could in my vehicle, and I had to be at practice. So I was gone. Yeah. Like I threw stuff. I had no idea what I had. I'm like, <laughs> 
I got some clothes. I don't have enough. I know that. And I zip up to Edmonton. Next thing you know, I'm doing. I'm at the practice. I'm writing down line combinations. Uh, I watched the game on the Wednesday, and then my first game was on the Thursday against uh, Vancouver. And yeah, it was it was an absolute whirlwind. Unbelievable. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's it's crazy. How does that I even think happen? It's, I think it's Hollywood. It, it, that's a, that's a Hollywood story, as far oh. as I'm concerned. Crazy. The life and times of Cam Moon is just one thing after the next. So you had you had absolutely no idea that this was coming your way. No, no, this is like totally out of nowhere. Um, I, I was I was honored and mm-hmm. and so excited to be just a part of the broadcast team. I, I listened to a, a lot of Oiler games, as you can imagine, being in Red Deer and being a guy that grew up in Edmonton. You know, this is my hometown. This is this is the team I watched as a kid and went to so many games at what was then the Northlands Coliseum with my dad and all that stuff. And yeah, and and you know, after I got the job, I got a phone call from Rod Phillips, who was the longtime mm-hmm. play-by-play voice of the Oilers on the radio when I was a kid. And oh my mm. god, my knees like buckled. <laughs> I I had to sit down. I just about cried. Like it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. It was very, it was emotional. I, yeah. And any, I was telling anybody that would listen, and it's the God's honest truth. If you said, Cam, you can do the play-by-play for any, any one of the NHL teams, this is choice number one mm-hmm. for me. And mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to come back home. Uh, I got a lot of jackass buddies in this town, and I, I – I look forward to the day when I can get together with them. Yeah. But yeah, I, and I spend a ton of time here in the summer as well. So our, my wife and I bought a place here two years ago. That's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's, yeah, I, I still can't believe it's, it's the real deal, but it, you know, so far nobody's denied me entrance to the building. So maybe it is. <laughs> Woohoo. Good stuff. Okay. So you had to go and grab a whole bunch of stuff take it up, get there in time for a practice. Have you had a chance to breathe since then? Have you had a chance to go back to Red Deer, grab more stuff, take the wife, go and get yourself set up in your residence in Edmonton that you have? Well, here's the thing. Uh, it would have been real, real easy had I been able to just move into my place in Edmonton. But, of course, not foreseeing something like this yeah. happening, I had it rented out, and uh, still have it rented out, oh. to uh, a couple of University of Alberta students who are from Red Deer, who I've known forever, and so they're in it till the end of April. So that was another thing I had to do. I had to find a temporary place. Uh, that was that Sunday afternoon going clickety, click, 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 click on the internet to try and find something, which I did. Hmm. Um, so I'm in a place that's uh, completely set up, that has absolutely everything. Because I didn't want to add, I didn't want to have to go get stuff because my right. place in Edmonton's already set up. So I don't need extra. So yeah, I found a place that, and I can still walk to the rink at downtown, and that's all good. So See, I did have a bit of time. Uh, last, uh, I did zip back to Red Deer uh, for a day and then came back the next morning. So I did grab some stuff because I was, oh, I did not have enough <laughs> uh, at all. Hey, so I did get to see, see and Connie Sutter, so that yeah. was good. And, yeah, it was that was all good. So, yeah, we're just we're – just, taking it as it comes 
it's nice. Like my kids are older and they're yeah. both out of the house. So like, yeah. that's not an issue. And you know, we'll figure it all out yeah. really once the season's over. See, this is what makes you the first class human being that you are, that I know you to be, because there are those I know who would have gone up to the residents in Edmonton and said to the two university kids from Red Deer, uh, sorry, uh, you're yeah, being get evicted. Out of here. I'm sorry. moving back in because I've got this job too bad, so sad for Bigger you. Fish to fry. Good, good on you for being a humane person like that. <laughs> hey, I gave them my word. Yeah, I know you did. See, and that's, that, that's worth gold to you. Good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I gave them my word. So I did confirm with them, though, before I found this other place. I was like, just to confirm, you guys are staying till the end of the school and they're like yeah and i was like okay no problem okay it's all good (laughs) all right i want to learn hear a little bit more about these job interviews cam did you have to because you hear about like joe buck and what he did for you know his different play-by-play um job interviews did you have to do anything you know specifically related to play-by-play in these interviews or was it just hey yeah how you doing shake a couple of virtual hands and then yeah give you the job well yeah nothing really like specific to to play by play or anything. I mean, right, yeah. we discussed uh, um, how I do my prep. We discussed that a bit. Um, and as it turned out, I had stuff right there. I wasn't really sure what was coming my way. Nor <laughs> yeah, did I have a lot right. of time yeah. to prepare. Yeah. Because yeah. it came pretty quick. So unbelievable. Yeah. 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 But yeah, we just, uh, yeah, we talked about, uh, yeah, just a bunch of different things and mm-hmm. uh, it, it all seemed to work out, which is good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have time to really like prepare myself much, or or even you know, yeah, be completely overwhelmed by it either, because I just it was it was a call. It was it was uh, yeah, it was an interview and another one, and next thing you know, um, I was here. So yeah. wow, you didn't have the time to like overthink it. Then it was which no, was a positive right. then, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. I didn't have mm-hmm. time to 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 get too fired up that way. I could just, you know, I know you can get fired up pretty quickly, but well, that is true. Yeah, yeah. I I like to get you know into the game a little. Uh, bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so in the yeah. in the euphoria of all this, being able to get yeah. this type of a job, you're leaving a franchise that you've been around since 1998. How difficult. Has that now been for you, considering what's all gone on over the course of time for you? Oh, my God. Incredibly difficult. The I only had one day in the office. From the time I found out I had the job to the time I had to leave, I had one day in the office. That was on the when it was announced. Yep. And, and that day was the entire time almost was spent responding to texts and emails. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <sighs> You know, I got to see Brent and Connie that day, or Brent anyway, I didn't see Connie. Uh, and it was quick. Like, I just, there wasn't a lot of time. And then I had yeah. to get home and, and get some stuff going because I had to leave the next morning. So it was incredibly hard. Like, the next morning when I drove up here, like, I had tears streaming down my face all the way to Lacombe. Mm. Like, it, it wasn't until I got past Lacombe that I was not a complete emotional wreck. You're right. It's 22 years. Like yeah. my kids have grown up there, and you know, you, you become quite ensconced into the community. Yeah. So it was tough. It was like so fast. Like it's not something yeah. I had a month or two to figure out. So yeah, it was really emotional. It was tough. Like I was, 
I wasn't in a good spot there for a bit, but then the coffee kicked in. So then I kind of came around. <laughs> okay, you just needed the caffeine kick. Yeah. <laughs> then I came back around, and then I was excited for the the new chapter, the yeah. new challenge, and and the fact that I'm I'm coming home was like, honestly, that was as exciting as as getting the opportunity to call games in the NHL was and is, and and that's huge. It was equally exciting for me to be able to come here because I love it here. Like I, mm-hmm. I do. I'm an Edmonton football club season ticket holder. I, I come up to games in the summer all the time. I come up and see buddies and do stuff here. And yeah, so that part, it'll be tough to leave Red Deer for sure. Cause I, I love Red Deer. It's been outstanding and we're not really, yeah leaving it right away and we're not selling right. our house there anymore yeah, yeah. but it's not yeah. like you're moving across the country either it's just a no, you know, it's an hour it's just, and a half door to door yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah when i drive up from the time i leave my place uh in red door red deer to get to my place in edmonton it's an hour and 30 minutes and i'm like mm-hmm. at, i'm parking yeah <laughs> okay so obviously very emotional, you know, the whole process, moving up to Edmonton, trying to figure things out. How about that first game? What was that like for you? Well, thank God I got to watch the night before Mm. (laughs) because it came together so quick. And, and I had people say, well, I know it's, it's the NHL. You'll be fine. You you know, the NHL. I'm like, well, I do, but I don't like, yeah. In a WHL season, we're playing the same nights, you know? Yeah. Like, I follow it casually. That's it. Only because that's that's all I can do. Yeah. When you're when you're calling games and working in, in the Western Hockey League, you're go, 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 WHL. I catch a bit of Oilers. I catch some Flames uh, on TV from time to time, but I'm not watching Hockey Night in Canada. Mm-hmm. We're playing every Saturday night. Yeah. So I had to do a lot of prep and I really had to cram like I've never crammed in my life because normally you know when you're doing games ahead of time uh, this I only had a few days yeah so thankfully yeah. I was able to watch that helped a lot and I was uh I was really excited about it and I I was you know Jack Michaels who does has been the play-by-play radio voice but is now doing he'll do games still yeah. Well, when it's national television, he'll come down and do the radio. But but most of the games he's doing now is television on Sportsnet West. Right. Yeah. He told me the night before, he's like, at the end of the day, like, it's still just a hockey game. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is, like, just, just call a game. And you know what? That actually brought my anxiety level down quite Good. a bit. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, once the game started, it's just a hockey game. It's mm-hmm. great. It was great. Oilers won, and Nugent Hopkins scored the first goal, which I thought was kind of neat. Yeah. Um, okay. I, Brandon I Sutter had reached out to me after and said he wanted to be the guy to score the first goal, but <laughs> so okay. So I tuned into a little bit of the broadcast cam, but I, I didn't yeah. catch your first goal call. What was what was it? Can you, do you remember how it went? Uh, yeah, Nugent Hopkins put it in the net. I lost my marble. That's, <laughs> that's basically it. Nice. First NHL nice. goal. Hey, well, uh, Connor, uh, Connor McDavid got a hat trick that night too. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah you know, talk <laughs> about okay. a game to, you know, like launch your NHL career with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, RNH scores twice. McDavid gets the hat trick. The one goal 
that McDavid scored when he wound it up just inside the Oilers blue line and then just blew by everybody was was you know out of this world. It was it was nice to see. Um, yeah, it was a real special night. I was I was so excited. And I was like, oh, you know, the game's over. You're all jacked up, and then the worst part is you can't go anywhere, which is probably saving yeah. me from yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the game ends. It's been a great game. The Oilers win, etc. Three goals for McDavid, two for RNH. Who's contacting you afterwards? Who's giving you some feedback afterwards? Uh, well, I got a whole pile of, of texts, as you could imagine, mm-hmm. from uh, people <laughs> and buddies from Edmonton, uh, people associated with the Rebels, uh, former players of the Rebels, especially like Edmonton area guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of them. Yeah, that was anyone yeah, that stuck. Any anyone that stuck out for you that you're really satisfied and said, "I'm so thrilled that you reached out to me." My dad. Good. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. That's, yeah. That's good. That, that was uh, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, how about the COVID precautions that are in in place right now, Cam? I, I'm sure. Uh, obviously, you're not traveling with the team. Uh, we're recording nope. this on on Wednesday, and the Oilers are in Toronto. Um, but what other sort of COVID precautions are there? Are there is there a limitation in terms of how close you can get to the players? Are you interacting with them at all? No, no, can't I, get anywhere near. Yeah, uh, I never get within you know seventy five yards of them. Uh, <laughs> we don't. We don't go to the. We're never on the bottom level of the rink. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, all the like the post game media and the after the morning skate media is all via Zoom, um, which isn't the worst thing in the world. Like it would be nice to have that personal connection, be able to look somebody in the eyes and and get their take on stuff. But the, right. the Zoom's kind of handy too, in that you can just take it in whenever you need to take it in because it's, yeah. you don't have to listen to it live, which is actually kind of handy in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, we're never anywhere near him. And then the, the media that are at the games in Edmonton are uh, not in the press box, but it, we're, we're all in the loge level yep. and it's spread way out. So like nobody's ever close to anybody. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a little bizarre, but it's not the worst thing in the world either. So it's, yeah, it's been okay. Yeah, it's been okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, you mentioned that the Oilers wanted to talk to you when they interviewed you about your preparation for games. What's the yeah. difference for a guy like yourself having to prepare for a Red Deer Rebels game compared to an Edmonton Oilers game? Well, the difference for me, the biggest thing, was just where do I find the info? Because mm-hmm. I've been doing mm-hmm. the WHL for so long, plus, you know, and doing media relations for the team, so I'm compiling the information as well. So I know where it all is. And then a lot of it, especially the stuff I'm compiling myself, I mean, that's just burning into my head. You know, that's, you're getting it by osmosis. Mm-hmm. Um, the here I was, I was like, I had a million questions. Like, where do I get what I need? I, I, yeah. I don't know. So that to me was, was kind of the biggest thing. Like that and like, how do we do stuff here? Like, I, I know, I know how it works. In, in Red Deer, but yeah. but I don't know how it works here. And again, it's happening so fast that like, I don't have a lot of time to, to figure it out. So it's nice that I've got a couple of games under my belt now. I'm starting to get a little bit of the hang of the routine. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, on how to get info, info and where to get it. So that's helped. Like I'm not, I'm not there yet, but like it's, we're going in the right direction at least. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, there is a ton of information available here, like information overload. Yeah. Quite honestly, a whole pile of stuff you don't even really need, but <laughs> is that you're not getting shorted. That's for sure. Um, so that's, that's changed it a bit for sure. Uh, I mean, it's still about capturing the essence of the game. It's still about, you know, making it uh, exciting. Uh, even if it isn't completely that, you still have to, engage the listeners and and that that doesn't change it doesn't matter what level you're doing here you just have more information available to you and it's finding it and then deciphering what's useful and what isn't so Mm -hmm. that i'm still figuring out but the nice thing is though is that and i remember this from almost 30 years ago when i got to do a few nhl games is that when you get to the rink you don't have to worry about carrying around a big, huge case and oh. then setting it all up. It's all there ready for you. You just show up and bang, you're ready to go on air when the time comes. I'm, honestly, I felt guilty. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, seriously, like, do you, what do you guys need me to do? Nothing. You sure? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, you're right. There's, there's more people doing more jobs. You're not doing three of them at once. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is great you can really concentrate on the broadcast and the information that you need to have it's like yeah that i that part i don't know if i'll ever get used to that i really don't <laughs> it's it, it it's crazy that uh yeah it's and i love it um mm-hmm. but i guess from uh, all those years of of whl games and, and junior a before that it definitely makes you appreciate it all, the everything that gets done at this level that makes your job easier. So, yeah, you're right. You're not lugging up equipment up the stairs at Das at Red Deer or, or up the ladder in Swift, which, honestly, I don't know how I didn't go tumbling down that thing. 22 yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those were tough ones, yeah. yeah. Okay, so tonight... You know, like we'd mentioned, Edmonton is in Toronto. You're not in Toronto. You're going to be calling this game off of a TV screen. Well, I won't be. You won't be? Jack Michaels will. This is a national broadcast. Oh, Uh, oh, that's Toronto. Because it's a Wednesday. Oh, it's a Wednesday night hockey. That's That's right. right. So the nice thing is I'm going to be able to see it done once before I will do it on Friday. Nice. You'll do it Friday. Okay. This gives me a fighting chance to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> From a broadcaster's perspective, it's got to be such a challenge, though, like just your, oh. your first thought for it. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, I, they tell me, they sent me a picture of what they've outfitted the boardroom and the looks that you get. You're not just watching just the Sportsnet feed. You kind of get a, a bit of a wide look, too, which is nice. Okay. But it's yeah. going to be tough, I think, to anticipate the play. Uh, I, I, I think that's an important part of the radio broadcast. You can see if there's a guy hanging around up at the far blue or, yeah. you know what I mean? You can get the, or, or if two guys get into it behind the play, yep. uh, you can see all those things when you're at the game uh, and you can anticipate uh, when you see a guy open. Uh, but on TV, I don't, I don't know for sure what, how wide the look is and what exactly I'm going to see. So, that might get taken away. Plus, the well, I, I would say the atmosphere in the rink, but there's no atmosphere right now with no fans. Well, so, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, this is like a real, real skilled dropping game, you know, that it's weird when the puck goes over the glass. And of course there's no netting right now because there's no fans. And when you can hear the puck actually hit the seat, yeah. <laughs> you don't normally get that. <laughs> no, you certainly <laughs> don't. Okay. No. So, so all, we'll fi- see. yeah, all 56 games are then being done from Edmonton for you, be it, yeah. you know, in the rink itself for an Oilers home game or when they're on the road, you're in the studio at the radio station at 6.30 Chet. Secretly, yeah. I can just imagine, because I know the house, this is how I'd be. Secretly, you can hardly wait for next season as well so that you can go and see some of these other places that the Oilers get to go to. I mean, it would be cool to be at Scotiabank Arena tonight, but you're going to oh, have yeah. to wait for that until next season. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah, I, that, I am very much looking forward to that. I oh, think yeah. my, the one that I'm looking forward to the most, I think, is Montreal. Yeah. I've been to Montreal many times, but I've never been to a, a, a Canadians game. And to me, at least the way it looks on television, that looks like that might be the one of the best atmospheres mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just gonna try and get through this right now. <laughs> and if I I can uh, do that, then then we'll we'll get to that step. In fact, I I don't even really know what the schedule looks like beyond the month of January. (laughs) I'm not looking too far ahead. Good for you. Yeah, I am. I am day to day. Uh, But that's going to be that'll that'll be something. It'll be a little different than you know helping unload the bus at at four in the morning (laughs) and it's cold out. Oh man! I, I was telling the story to somebody. They were asking like, "What are you going to miss?" I was like, "You know what? Quite honestly, I am going to miss the bus." I the bus is like a nice sanctuary of mm-hmm. of being able to read books and listen to tunes and, and do, like, if you have to do prep work or whatever, like, you can get a lot done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also remember uh, trying to put chains on the tires uh, going over that Snoqualmie Pass oh, in God. Washington <laughs> State. <Yeah. laughs> I remember getting stuck in Hood River for quite a while, too. So <laughs> that, which is uh, not far from Portland. Uh so yeah, there's there's those things too that uh, get taken out of the mix, but mm-hmm. you know, hey, it's it's all part of the fun. It's all part of yeah, uh, the experience. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's dive into this Oilers season a little bit. You know, obviously, okay. you know, from a from a broadcasting perspective, you've tried to get your ducks in a row, but the Oilers right now, you know, obviously, there's a lot of season left to play. Mm. But what what are your first impressions on this Oilers team so far, Cam? Well, in the top two lines, uh, there's a ton of skill. Yeah. And and they can play with anyone. Um, I know they'd certainly like to see a little bit of offensive output from the bottom two lines that, that hasn't happened yet. doesn't mean it can't. It just hasn't yet. Uh, they've given up a lot of shots, which is a bit of a bit of a concern. Losing a goaltender on waivers and then having one get hurt was incredibly bad timing. Mm-hmm. Bad luck, really. Yeah. So it's put all the eggs in the Miko Koskinen basket, and they got to ride that out now um, for a bit anyway. So they've had a few things go against them and, and maybe have not helped themselves in a few instances, too. Yeah. The fact that you're playing all your games against Canadian opponents, so basically it's a four-point game every night. Mm-hmm. Like you're playing against mm-hmm. your own division the entire time, which I think is wonderful. Uh, the yes. fact that it's all Canadians, like, it's exceptional. Yeah. But 
you know, when you start one and three, that, that puts you in a bit of a tough spot. Like you got to turn that around yeah. sooner than later. Otherwise, you know, playing catch up is going to be awfully hard. So I think some things need to come together. Uh, the back end as a whole uh, will have to play a little bit better. And I think they can. Um, it would be nice to, as a team defensively, not give up as many shots slash opportunities as they have. The power play struggled a little bit here early. I don't think that will continue. I think they will turn that around. Yeah, There's too yeah. much talent to not. Um, so I think the power play will uh, will find its its form. It's tough when you don't play any preseason. You just mm-hmm. here's a short yeah there's a short little training camp and then we're playing. Then, and yeah. some teams will get up to speed quicker than others. And maybe the Oilers have had a little bit tougher time uh, finding their groove because of that and that's it's very unique very different you know, normally you've got eight exhibition games under your belt not everybody but i mean you've got four or five each player and you have a pretty good idea of uh, of where you need to be and what you need to do mm-hmm. and you got a better feel for it so they haven't had that luxury this year and i think that part has hurt the team as well from what you see and hear of a Dave Tippett or some of the players that have been interviewed after, before games, whatever the case may be, and I know it's only four games in, but you've got a third less number of games this year than you have normally. Do you already sense a little bit of urgency as they get ready to go out east here and start these games against Toronto? Oh, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, because of all of that, all of, with them being four-point games and you don't have as much runway as you normally do, yeah, I think so. I, they need to... They know they need to turn it around as soon as possible. So I would think the urgency level is going to go up. The fact that they're they're getting out of town after playing their first four games at home, not that the crowd comes into play because there aren't any, but just getting away is probably not the worst thing in the world. Um, I think uh, home ice advantage doesn't really exist right now because there's no fans. But getting out and, and getting that opportunity to to play with probably fewer distractions is going to help, but they got, Hey, all the games are going to be tough. And, uh, I I think they'll be entertaining and I I hope they turn it around sooner than later. And I think they will. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm kind of going back a little bit here, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins, obviously, you know, he scored the first goal for Edmonton. You got to kind of know, you must've gotten to know Ryan Nugent Hopkins during his time with Red Deer. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you two yeah, been in touch at all, like over the last week or so? No, not at all. No, <laughs> no. Okay. It's so weird because you you go to the rink every day and you can see him, but you're not anywhere close. Uh, but Ryan's a quality kid. He was, you know, just one of the most uh, unassuming, humble. Even coming to Red Deer, like with all the, he was the first overall Bantam pick. And, and you knew he was going to be mm-hmm. so good. He'd come up at 15, and he'd, like, fit right in and played a handful of games at 15, and he scored, and you're like, okay, yeah, he's going to be good. And then, of course, he was. But, you know, it was no big deal. And then the next year is his draft year, and as the year goes on, it's starting to become evident that he's going to be a real high pick, uh, and ultimately first overall. But just handled all the attention and everything with nothing but class and and didn't get fired up about anything, just real even keel. And, and it, he made it real easy to deal with all that he had to deal with from, from the team point of view and, and, and certainly from his own point of view. And he's been 
you know, I knew he'd be a good pro and he has been because of the way he is. So yeah, I look forward to the day when I can actually say hi to him. Yeah. I, and I hope that day comes sooner than later. Yeah, um, and, and same with Chris Russell, who's from around yeah. Red Deer. I see him in the summer all the time. And he'd come down to the, you see him at some of the senior men's baseball games. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, and, uh, Darnell nurse, I went with hockey Canada to the, uh, U18s in 2012 and Darnell Nurse was on that team and we were in Czech Republic for just about a month. Um, I haven't been able to say hi to him either, but at some point I will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Caroline Cowboy, Chris Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Cam. Well, thank you so much for the time. I think that just about does it. Bless, do this, you have anything? Well, this, this is just one of those great yeah. stories. That, I mean, I was thrilled to pieces when the news came out. I made sure I reached out to you right away because, as I said to you then and I say to you now, and I will say to you forever, richly, richly deserved, and I'm thrilled for your partner. Wish you all the best, and I hope to see you somewhere along the line soon as well. I hope so, too. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It was unexpected. I'm honored and, and really happy that it's turned out the way it has. God knows I didn't expect it, but I've been a very fortunate person, so I'm. that's not lost on me at all. But Good thanks for, for having me on. Yeah. Good for you. Good awesome. stuff. Thanks, Cam. Congratulations. And at this rate, I'm sure we'll catch up with you in about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Mooner. All, all right. right. Take, Take care. care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Fantastic to speak with Cam Moon. Just, uh, you know, the, the, the thrill, the euphoria that he's feeling, so deserved, as I mentioned, getting the opportunity to be a play-by-play guy in the National Hockey League on radio at 6.30 Ched with his favorite National Hockey League team in his hometown, the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just, just a great, great story, and uh, I know he's going to absolutely kill it. Yeah. As time goes on. I just love talking to him. Just the ex- <laughs> his expression and how oh, yeah. he tells a story is oh, second yeah. to none. And Absolutely. And just know that he brings that level of emotion and that charisma with him to the broadcast booth mm-hmm. as well. So a big congratulations to Cam. Uh, he's got a long uh, career coming up with Edmonton. They yeah. are very, very lucky to have oh, yeah. him. He's, he's, he's still yeah. a young guy. Oh, yeah. Like, he's got a, quite a few good years uh, oh, behind the mic. Yeah. The Edmonton, you know, 630 Ched knew what they were doing in recruiting oh, yeah. a guy like that. Absolutely. A, a man who's obviously extremely familiar with Edmonton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I still think yeah. he should have kicked the people out of his <laughs> well, presence. I was just thinking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's too nice. Yeah, I know. Really. All right. So a big thank you to Cam. Uh, you know, and, you know, we're going to have to have him come on maybe, you know, ahead of the playoffs if Edmonton, you know, makes the playoffs. And at this stage, who knows what's going to happen <sighs> there. Yeah. Okay, so last week, let's recap the trivia question, because we do have a winner to announce. A big congratulations to this man, too, Mm -hmm. because this did take some research. Obviously, last week, uh, very, uh, very honored to have head coach Mitch Love come on and chat all about the World Juniors, chat about his time with Everett, and uh, where the his current day-to-day operations lie. But the trivia question from last week was that Love racked up more than 900 penalty minutes through his WHL career. We asked, what year... Did he pile up the most, and who was Mitch playing for? Swift Current Broncos in 2002-2003, when he piled up 327 penalty minutes. And don't forget, unlike the NHL, misconducts and game misconducts aren't tacked on 10 minutes each for those. In the Western Hockey League, those 327 minutes come either by five-minute fighting majors or two-minute minors. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of minors and fighting majors 
for Mitch Love in that 2002-2003 season. Oh, yeah. He was a busy boy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rough and tough. Yep. Tumbler of a guy. Absolutely. That's for sure. Okay, and we do have a winner from last week as well. Mervyn Rempel put in the research and found the answer. He even uh, correctly said it was 327 penalty minutes in the 2002-2003 season with Swift Currents. So congratulations to Mervyn. I'll be in touch here in the next uh, little while, and we will... uh, get you uh, a $25 gift card to the Frozen Pond, of course. And uh, Yeah, big congratulations, Mervyn. Thanks for uh, tuning in and, uh, you know, taking a shot at that trivia question. Before we get into talking with Nolan Meyer, let's remind you that this is the 25th episode of the Blades Uncut podcast. Of course, uh, the title sponsor being Great Western Brewing Company, but we also have Tint Center of Saskatoon on board, Saskatoon's premier window film provider at tintcenter.ca or at 306 683 Three, four, five, six. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. Uh, Mitch? Okay. So we're, we're going to chat with Nolan here briefly. Yeah. First, I kind of want to go back into a topic that we were talking about in the intro here. Okay. Oh, okay. So obviously last week, you know, uh, coming out of Mitch Love's interview, we talked about a little bit of a wager, a mm-hmm. bet that we kind of, you know, we were hashing back yeah. and forth doing that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. Let's, yeah. let's figure out the nitty gritty of this wager. Okay. okay? All right. So it's obviously, I'm a Flames guy. Yes. And you are a Jets guy. Correct. Okay. So terms of this bet. Okay. Season series. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how many games are is Edmonton, or Edmonton, yeah. We're no. not going to loop Edmonton into this conversation. No, God, no. no. <laughs> That'd be too easy. <laughs> um, but Flames versus Jets, how many games are they playing against one another? I think they play nine. Nine. Yes. Okay. If it's 10, if it's 9, it's one of those Yeah, two. it's one of those but two. got to be a season series, okay? Yeah. So whoever wins the season series... Correct. ...is the winner of this wager. And that's by points. So, for instance, right now, the Jets have two, the Flames have one, based okay. on the fact the Jets beat the Flames Correct. in overtime. Yeah. So it's not just wins and losses, it is... Points. Points. That's going to ultimately yeah. determine this. Because they'll probably go to overtime every game. I'm sure game. there will be a lot of games yeah. going to overtime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A lot of three-point games. Yep. Okay, so the winner of this bet, mm-hmm. therefore, you know, doesn't have to worry about the repercussions. No. Okay. If you win, you don't necessarily win anything except you get the enjoyment of what the other person has to do. That's right. Okay. Wearing the other team's jersey. So the other one of us, it'll uh-huh. end up being you. Has to wear a flame. Well, you're jersey. pretty cocky, aren't you? <laughs> I like my flame so far. Yeah, well, I like, I like my jet so far. I, I okay. We're both okay. two and one. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Overcoming a two. Well, okay. I can't speak a whole lot because the flames blew a two goal lead. That's right. Now it's Winnipeg overcoming a two goal deficit. Two different occasions. To we find have the win we column. have the advantage by okay. having beaten you already right. one game. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know what? I'm still I'm still feeling pretty good about my yeah, flames. That's but good. That's good. Well, you should. Okay, well, you should. So the loser has to wear a jersey. Yep. A photo needs to be taken with this jersey. Yes. Yep. And also needs to buy dinner. You want to go that well, extra we, step? We I don't. Well, that's I'd I'm hate, asking. I'd I'm hate asking. to. I'd hate to broke. How you. about how about lunch? Lunch. Lunch? Okay. okay. Lunch. We could do lunch at VP Restaurant and Bar. We could. Okay, to 1403 Adelaide Drive. We, we could. Absolutely. Name dropping VP Restaurant. And why not? It's a great, a great lunch option. Sounds good. Okay. Okay, so that's it. So by, you know, come this spring at some point, Les is going to be treating me to lunch and he's also going to be wearing <laughs> a Flames jersey and you'll see a photo, a photo of it posted onto the uh, Blades social media channel. Right. <laughs> In your dreams. Uh, okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm just happy that we've got NHL hockey to watch. Yes, I agree with okay. that. Okay. But 
You know what? Enough about the NHL. Let's uh, revert back to the WHL. We've got the man of the hour coming on board. Nolan Meyer, goaltender of the Saskatoon Blades. Les, tell me about him. And time now to bring in a guy who, you know, I mean, he's been a three-year Saskatoon Blade going into his fourth season. And Mitch, you can think of all kinds of great games that this guy has had in goal. But two really stick out for me. His introduction to the Saskatoon Blades is one where he played an exhibition game in the Cooperator Center as a 15-year-old just after he'd been drafted mm-hmm. and, you know, against the Regina Pats, a, a very strong Regina Pats team, I might add, team that ended up winning the uh, or losing in the Western Hockey League final that season. And then the second one is kind of the reintroduction game when he came back to the team and was on the U.S. Division road trip a few years back as a 16-year-old and stopped, what is it, 48 shots for a shutout in Portland against the high-flying Winterhawks. Of course, I'm talking about Nolan Meyer, who has been a three-year starting goaltender for the Saskatoon Blades and joins us on the telephone from Yorkton, I assume, I think, I hope. Yeah, no, I'm staying at home for right now. Yeah. (laughs) When was the last time you got outside of Yorkton, Saskatchewan? Um... That's a good question. I think it was, uh, I want to say, almost a month ago. Okay. I went to uh, see my billet. I had a little visit with her. Okay. Um, All right. Well, yeah. No, I'm kind of curious just to know exactly what you're doing day-to-day, Nolan. You, you know, obviously, you got to be preparing it to some capacity for whatever sort of a season we'll end up having. Yeah. Uh, for every province, different restrictions. So, for me, yeah. it's basically just been... I'm lucky enough to have our local gyms open. So I've been, I have been doing a lot of stuff at home with stretching and a bunch of hand stuff just yeah. to get my reaction. And then I've been going to the gym for what it feels like a year now, getting ready for the season. <laughs> yeah, and then months, yeah. just trying to go to the ODR. It's a little different being full gear on the outdoor ring with yeah. a couple of buddies, but that's, that's kind of been what my routine's like. So you've been out on an outdoor rink how recently? Uh, I probably probably go twice a week. Oh, and so my my, okay. my yeah. friend has a has a house on the lake just five minutes out of town, and we built this big rink, and it's kind of been three of us out there, been playing a lot and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Cool. Obviously different, like you say. You know, wearing full gear outside. <laughs> yeah, it's. Definitely a little bit different than playing in South Health Center. But uh, I think you, you get used to it and you just roll with the punches. Yeah. So how, okay, and you know, this might not even be too appropriate of a question to ask, but if the season were to start next week, how prepared would you be? I. That's a tough question. Yeah. I you know, I haven't played a game since I had my one game with the Junior A team in, Yorkton, mm-hmm. but after all this time, I think just like everybody else on the team and organization, we're kind of ready. And like, if we were, if we got to go or call tomorrow, we'd be ready to go. And I'd, I'd be super pumped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be, I'd be ready to go and super excited if we actually had that opportunity coming up. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we're hopeful and I, obviously it's not going to be starting up next week, but so hopefully sometime mid to, you know, late next month we'll be playing games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, anything else besides skating and going to the gym that you've done? I mean, is there anything that you've picked up and started to like doing that's not sports or related yeah. or related to training for a hockey season? Just a qu- quarantine hobby of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Honestly, no. Oh, okay. I can't say I've checked anything up. I've kind of been sticking to what I know. But uh, unfortunately, I've have, I have started with video games, which is not the best thing. But <laughs> Hey, it's mental uh, engagement. It depends, it depends who you talk to. I talk yeah. to my parents, you might say one thing, but <laughs> it's something to keep my, my head busy. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go, uh, you know, let, let, let's chat a little bit just about last March and maybe some of the emotions that, that came with uh, saying goodbye under such unusual and unprecedented circumstances, Nolan. How well do you remember that trip out to Winnipeg and, and what was going through your mind during that entire process? Uh, that was probably the most difficult process I've probably been encountered with or been involved in in my WHL career I think we played the Regina Pats mm-hmm. and I want to say it was early March and then a couple of days later I had a really bad cold and then I was stuck at home, the team was in Moose Jaw and then they drove all the way to Winnipeg and Brandon and then I was at home sicker than a dog and then Two days later, I get on a flight to go to Winnipeg, and all this stuff, this COVID stuff, just started happening. So that that was a little scary on playing with six of the people or whatever it is mm-hmm. at the time. And then I land in Winnipeg. Hopper picks me up at like twelve at night. We go get snacks, and then we hang out in Winnipeg for two days practicing before we play a game. And then the night before, or the day before, we all have a meeting with Lover and we're all in the lunchroom and then TP goes on the phone and basically tells us we're done. Mm. And that this is all, this is all, we're all done. We're going home. And then we drove eight hours. I want to say it was the next day or that day. It was the next day. Yeah. Yeah. We were up yeah, the, next, the next day. And then I remember that that was probably the longest bus ride mm. I've ever been on for sure. Or it felt like it for sure, mm-hmm. which is not a great thing. But no, it's something I'll remember for sure, but maybe not in the best way. Yeah, yeah. I think there was obviously just a lot of uncertainty that that came with it, and you know, like you say, you had a very unique story around it. I remember. I think we played in in Moose Jaw was our our final game. It was a Tuesday night in Moose Jaw, and we went to Regina right after the game, stayed overnight, traveled by bus Wednesday to get to Winnipeg, and we were waiting. We we knew that you were coming in, so it was a Mm -hmm. matter of waiting for Nolan Meyer to arrive and then get to practice Thursday, and shortly thereafter, bang, the season's over. So it was really kind of a a weird set of circumstances as to how this all came down. Yeah, it it was very quick, especially with other guys in the league that we're all kind of friends with. You hear so many different stories about different teams and kind of what everyone's doing. So, like, just that whole process is kind of it's just draining mentally because, well, are we playing or are we not playing? And we're supposed to play the night, like mm-hmm. the next night, and it was all kind of wishy-washy. But, yeah, it was definitely different. So after we get back into Saskatoon, how long was it until you went back to Yorkton? Uh, I think we, we, we went home. And then we all had a meeting in the dressing room and Lover was talking about, I think we had to wait for two days or we had to go home and just sit at home for four days, not really see anyone or do anything. Mm-hmm. And then on our second day or even our first day, we got a call saying, come to the rink. 
pack up your stuff, you're kind of free to go. Mm-hmm. So that was that was kind of the fallout on it. Mm-hmm. That we was I think I left Saskatoon March 16th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously, you know, yeah, it was last March when all of this happened. Um, still a very difficult, sensitive topic to discuss. But when we are back on the ice, can you look back on that and maybe channel some of those emotions and use it as a positive to help motivate, you know, you and, and the rest of the team for, for when we are back on the ice? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what everyone's going to try and do and hopefully be able to do with just being able to cut short. Some guys won't get more exposure. Some guys won't be able to maybe go to a certain school if you want, just because the season did get cut short. So I know everyone's really motivated. Mm-hmm. And I think this probably helped with a lot of off season training too in the gym. I think a lot of guys probably use that as motivation. So and I know talking to the guys and team and staff, everyone's really excited and really hoping that kind of something pulls through and something happens just so we're under the same dressing room again and same building again. Yeah. So you've been talking to guys on the team. How often does that happen? Uh, quite a bit. I think I talked to talked to quite a few recent guys and then quite a few guys from the past that's no longer on the team with us. So it's always good to keep in touch with past Blades players and especially one that was on the team last year just to mm-hmm. see what they're doing, how they're handling stuff and oh, it's good to talk to them. Mm-hmm. So would that be Wally, Porks and, and Neener? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. talked to those guys. Uh, I've talked to Gerlach too quite a bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about him because he's out in Europe playing hockey. Yeah, so he's overseas. That's here right. in different different kind of ways of how they're going about things. So. Yeah. yeah, hockey careers can take you all over the place. That's for sure. for sure. Well, you know what? And hockey careers, let's go right back to the very beginning of, of your Blades career, Nolan. Uh, obviously drafted in the second round, 25th overall, back in 2016. How well do you remember that draft day? Uh, I remember like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember I was I was looking at my phone so much during, I want to say it was ninth grade. I was looking at my phone so much during class and my teacher actually took it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I'm in, I'm in math class. I'm just hoping that this class is finished so I can see my phone just to hear if anything happened or anything. And then I walked out of the room, got my phone, and then one of my teachers said congratulations to me first before I even got a chance to look at my phone or anything and then oh, all of a yeah. sudden I look and got a call from some of the Blades players and some of the, co- the coaches and staff so I guess I saw that and I was pretty ex- pretty excited to say the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right from that moment on you had full expectations to uh, potentially you know hopefully play for the Blades as soon as possible then hey? Yeah I know I was I was, all, I was all in once I got there for the barbecue and met all the fans and met all the staff workers and everyone that was there. I knew yeah. I knew Saskatoon was where I wanted to be. Yeah. And just meeting the players, too. Like, I had Cameron Hebig. I met Brockham and Cameron Hebig. Yes. Those were the first two guys I met in the organization. So right after all that, I knew that it was a place I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you knew you wanted to be here. 
like, were you a Blades fan growing up? Like, it seems like, you know, that's three and a half hours away, Yorkton from Saskatoon. What did you know about the Blades before you got drafted by them? Uh, I didn't know a whole lot about it. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I grew up in Chesmere, Alberta, mm-hmm. until I was nine years old. It's a small town outside of Calgary, yeah. where Krinkovic is from. Yes, yeah. And then I moved to Yorkton when I was nine years old and then played hockey there, but... The only connection I had was I knew Jake Kuster and his family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I knew and he was with the Blades. So that's the kind of only connection. I never really followed the dub growing up or I never really looked at it until I got closer to the draft. But younger, I didn't really have a team or watch a game. I watched a couple games just to watch Jake. Uh, so I, I watched them mm-hmm. in, in the South Health Center. So that was, that was kind of my only connection. Okay. Do you remember that exhibition game in the Cooperator Center in Regina that I mentioned where you saw your first action as a blade? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what do you remember about it? Oh, I was so scared for that game. <laughs> they were I pretty good. Out. It was yeah. it was a crazy turn of event. Because the day before, we're still in Saskatoon. I didn't even, at 15, I didn't even bring any dress clothes to camp <laughs> like I had nothing I had no idea I didn't even really have any at that time so I was rooming with guy Mason McCarty mm-hmm. so I grabbed something I hemmed his pants like I rolled them three times I think <laughs> and I was wearing that and a golf shirt went to the game I had to sign sign my WHL contract yep. the standard agreement the day before the game wow and then hopped on a bus, played it. It kind of it happened so fast that it just kind of it was like just gone in a blank. I couldn't even really imagine it. But no, it was probably one of the coolest experiences in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, what was the type of impression that you got from the blades when you you skated for the first time? That's obviously got got to be somewhat of an eye opening experience. Yeah, it was. Just just skating in that rink alone was enough pressure, just because mm-hmm. how big it is. And your first time kind of being in on the ice surface with that big of a rink, that was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then getting on the ice and working with the uh, goalie coaches and with Tim Shoveldey as a former goalie coach and then doing all the stuff and playing games and scrimmages. It was, it was overwhelming, but it was really cool because you got, you got a sense of how fast the game was. Yeah. And now it's kind of the biggest thing. I think anyone can kind of attest to that. But just the pace was so much different. But it almost it almost made it easier because everyone else was so much better and just good at what they do. Yeah. That it made my job easier also. Do you think that's why you were able to transition into a starting role as a 16-year-old? You don't get too many goaltenders at the age of 16 who are given the kind of responsibilities you were given. Yeah, I think my situation was really unique, and Les for sure would know the whole story. Yeah. But uh, I don't think if if I wasn't getting forty shots a night or how many, however, how many shots a night, I don't think we'd be having that conversation because it we we weren't the strongest team, but we had a chance for sure in every game, mm-hmm. and it was more I felt more comfortable with every shot I had, and because I got lots of it. I was able to feel comfortable. 
Right. And I wasn't putting too much pressure because I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I'm here. Like, I'm just kind of wanting to enjoy the ride. So I think that made it a lot easier. Well, that was a weird kind of start to the season because the Blades ended up in a situation where they had three goaltenders. They'd acquired Ryan Kubik, and he was expected to be the starter, and yet he got hurt. So here we are going off on the U.S. road trip. You'd been in Yorkton and played some games in the SJHL with the Terriers, and all of a sudden you're joining the team for the U.S. road trip, and you're thrust into playing games, and you thrive. And I especially go back to that game in Portland, in the Moda Center, where you faced the high-flying Winterhawks and stopped 48 shots for a shutout. To me, that was your coming out party. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. After that game, it was just like, okay, like I had so much confidence after that. Mm. It was just, I know I can be here. I know I can play here. Like this is, like like I got this almost. Like it gave me that sense of, I don't know, just confidence, like I said. So that was, in many ways, the turning point for you then? Yeah, almost. I think there's there's other games I played before that was just stepping stones to get yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But after that game, it's just like, like this is it. Like, yeah. Well, and not, and not just... Rolling. And not just that, to be able to have the confidence, but also to get the confidence of your teammates. Suddenly, you could just see on that U.S. trip, despite what was going on as far as results went, you guys coming together and becoming a really good, tight-knit group. Is that not true? No, I, I agree with you there because we had lots of games that were close. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. division is, is always one of the top divisions in our in our league, especially that year. They were really strong. And having confidence against those and actually sticking around with teams is for sure confidence for us to go back into our division and kind of knowing that, hey, we can, we can play this way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's fast forward just a little bit from, you know, that uh, that first season into the summer of 2018, uh, quite the summer. Um, mm-hmm. Capture gold at the uh, Holinka Gretzky tournament, Nolan. Take me through uh, that entire process. You know, right from when uh, you know you knew that you were going to be representing Canada through until you were putting the medal around your neck. Yeah, that was that was crazy. It feels like that was forever ago. Yeah, <laughs> but that was. And it was kind of the same thing. I, I didn't play for a while, and then we had the U18 camp for a week. And then we were going through that, and then I found out I was making it. The cool thing was we, all of us got into a room together, and the I want to say it was Tom Rennie. He came out, he had all the jerseys, and he'd flip them over with the guy's number and name on it. Mm-hmm. And then you'd, he'd call him out, and then he'd walk up, to the stage or whatever to the front of the group shake his hand and then you'd hold up your jersey put it on and then go sit back down that was that was a really cool experience to go through just just with him and what he stands for and what hockey canada stands for it was really cool to have that moment and then yeah uh, eventually go on in that tournament and win gold in front of uh canada fans so that was that was pretty cool. You also had a little bit of experience playing in the World U17s too, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily your first taste of international hockey. Do you think that World U17 experience may have helped you, you know, form any sort of a, a team atmosphere with uh, with the guys at the Holinka Gretzky? Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a lot of guys on that team black 
that I was on for the yeah. 17 that ended up on the Helenka team. So I know just from that relationship and the trainers and the coaches, that was a big part of me going on to U18. And I think that was just kind of the building point mm-hmm. just to be able to be named to the team and to make it. Any specific players that you grew really close with that were also Western Hockey League players that you were uh, against, you know, as a member of the Blades? Uh, on different teams, like there's a, like you, like you'll know him. He's from Yorkton. I've grew, I've played with him since I've been in Pee Wee. Now is that Caden uh, Korzak? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So he, we were fortunate enough. We played like midget or like everything bantam. All that we went through the draft process together and bantam. Uh, and then we we're fortunate enough to be on the same team, black team. Mm-hmm. And then that was really special. Just grew us playing together more, and then we were both named to Linka. So kind of having that relationship with him and being close with him throughout the whole process definitely made it easier for me mm-hmm. and for him too, I think, or I would like to think. Yeah. Just having that close buddy around to, to go through this cool and very surreal process that we were going through for the first time. So you had some buddies playing-wise, and you ended up meeting during that Halik Gretzky the guy that would end up being your head coach with the Blades, working as an assistant for Team Canada, and Mitch Love. What was that like? That was a definitely neat experience to meet him for the first time in an event like that. Yeah. Because if it was if it's an event like U18 Halinka or a Tuesday night game against Regina Pat, hmm. he's the same guy. So like that was very it was easy to transition with because he was the same no matter what. So, like, I, I knew what I was going to get from what I had in Halenko with him as I did in Saskatoon. So being able to transition and see how respected he is in the, league, the, the world of hockey and Canada, and it just made it so much easier to see mm-hmm. and better to jump in, in Saskatoon. Had he been named the head coach of the Blades prior? He had, hey? Yes, he had. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, he was named that mm-hmm. summer. Yep. Like right. before the camp started. Right before the camp started. I see. Okay. So obviously, you know, maybe in a situation like that, you might want to get to know him a little bit, but you got more incentive to try to get to know him a little bit more then. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's go into, you know, more recently where your hockey career is at and just over the last couple of years. How have have, have you been able to develop as a goaltender and what are you, you most proud of when you take a look at some of the accomplishments that you've had over the last, you know, two years or so? The probably, the biggest accomplishment for me is probably having that playoff series against PA. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the biggest, and especially in front of our, our home fans and crowd. I think that was probably the coolest feeling, playing PA in a playoff series game, game four to tie it up 2-2 with 13,000 fans in the rink. Mm-hmm. Like that was probably the biggest highlight in my WHL career for sure. Just in your home barn and everything that was going on is really cool. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know, here's a question that we like to ask all alumni and, you know, current players who are come on this podcast, but how would you describe the uh, the rivalry between the Blades and the Raiders? Cutthroat. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> That's a good word. I like it, yeah. Good word. It's, it's, there's just something about it. I think you can't really explain it to someone who hasn't been a part of it. But when you're in it and when you're going against them, there's just something about it that even if you didn't have anything with them before, you come from another team and you join us or you join PA in a trade, you all you automatically get that sense of, like, this is goal time, mm-hmm. no matter what. And especially last year the, on Team Dub and them being a host for the second game, going through their dressing room and seeing pictures of when old or past players beat the Blades and they still have that hanging in their room. Hmm. Just seeing that from their side, it's really, it just it just adds more to it. Oh, for sure. I didn't realize they oh, had yeah. something like oh, that. Of course yeah. they do. Oh, well. Are you kidding? Up in Prince Albert? Uh, that's that's yeah. Prince Albert. As I, as okay. I told I, you. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a big shrine or anything. But <laughs> okay. No, but it's, it's enough. I mean, they're it fans. Definitely, I, it's enough to notice it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure Chase can attest to that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's still my favorite thing to say about folks in Prince Albert. They could win just four games all year long in a season, but it would be successful if all four of those victories were at home over the Blades. <laughs> it's it's yeah. as simple as that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's I the know, way it's... they feel about things. I want to ask Nolan a few questions that I know the answers to, but people mm-hmm. may not know the answers to. Okay. Nolan, favorite NHL team, and who is the guy in goal that you idolized the most growing up? Growing up or now? Or even now. I'll, I'll do a growing up, but I'll do both. Okay, sure. Team? Mm-hmm. I've never really had a favorite team. Okay. When I was younger, I, I liked Calgary because I was close to them and I've always watched them. Yep. So I was, I was kind of with Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite goalie growing up was... I, I loved Price and Luongo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then recently, it's been UC Soros. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting yeah. choice. Why is that? Uh, just... Just the way he plays, I think I've done I've done a lot of video and trying to emulate and kind of be like him on the ice of how he plays certain situations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So being able to watch him and learn a lot, especially because he is the smaller guy in the NHL, being able to kind of see it from his point of view and learn off him, Good. he's probably my, my go-to guy right now. All right. The other thing that I know about you, but a lot of fans might not, you are gluten intolerant. Can you share a little bit more as to what that's all about and how that affects your day-to-day life? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm gluten and dairy. And free, dairy, oh, goodness. so to speak. So mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not full on celiac or anything, or mm-hmm. like I'm not nothing, nothing bad will happen. But if I have too much, just my body will kind of, kind of shut down. Mm-hmm. So Jeez. we went through a whole. My 17-year-old year, I went through that whole year not knowing what was happening. Yeah. Hmm. So there, there were times where I was sick and feeling awful day-to-day or playing through it because I was feeling awful. And I had no idea why. I did how many allergy tests and blood work with our, our doctor in Saskatoon. And I've seen him so much that year 
that we didn't really find out until my mom was making me try no gluten or dairy. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, oh, like I'm like I feel better, like this is better. And then it's kind of been rolling with it since I guess two summers ago. Right. Okay. Wow. You know, we probably have a few listeners who are celiac or who mm-hmm. have similar, you know, um, you know, dietary, you know, restrictions as well. What 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 are some of your favorite non gluten, non dairy foods, Nolan? Uh Oh, that's a good question. There, there's a lot of substitutes that you can have. Yeah. So, like, for me, like, like my pregame, like, I, I rather, like, chicken and rice instead of, like, gluten-free pasta. Right. Just sometimes it's, like, a little, it's a little adjustment or sometimes it's, like, a sauce. Just it has gluten in it for whatever reason that you probably should stay away from. So, it's yeah. just... Uh, my favorite is probably like the yogurt though. There's, there's like lactose free yogurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's probably I've been having quite a bit of. And then the bread's actually not that bad unless you're used to real bread your whole life. Like <laughs> I was. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, what do you miss when you see other guys on the team maybe eating it? Uh, ice cream. <laughs> I hear that. I know for sure. We, we went on a stretch where if we did, or if we won a certain amount of games, there'd be, like little treats for us as players would be like an hour sleeping or it'd be like a, like a steak dinner, like as a a team that we'd all go to on the road trip or we'd go eat somewhere nice. And one of them was uh, like, we we won a Dairy Queen blizzard day. Mm -hmm. So after practice, we all got off and then I think it was Holper that went out and got a whole bunch of blizzards for the team. Mm. And everyone's eating out, and I'm just sitting in the corner drinking my water, just trying not to look at everyone and eat their favorite blizzard. So, <laughs> brutal. That was funny. Yeah. Brutal. I, that would be awful. I, I yeah. Can't, I can't imagine. Not okay. my favorite moment, but no. one I remember. Okay. It's been over 10 months since the Blades played a game. I know I'm going squirrely waiting for this to happen. I'm told that, you know, 24 game season might be happening pretty soon. How anxious are you right about now? How how difficult has it been to maintain a positive attitude towards this through everything that we've gone through, waiting for that glorious moment when we can get back to playing games again? It's hard. Yeah. I think for for anybody, if you're a, a part of the team, if you're a part of like a job, like it just makes everything so difficult and to be able to wait for it and actually get some news weekly to see what's going to happen with us. It's definitely, it's definitely anxious, and I'm, I've been, I don't know. It seems like I can't sit still for the past how many months. I'm just so ready to go and so anxious to go up to Saskatoon and be with the guys and everything and play. But then even talking to you two, it just makes me feel like I'm back in Saskatoon again. Nice, mm-hmm. like nice. just this call, it just makes me want to be there even more, and it feels like I already am, and just gets me closer closer to where I want to go in that Saskatoon. Perfect. Well, I know we're excited to have you come back up here, yep. whatever that may be, Nolan. We've been anxious and, like Les says, squirrely 
for sure. Well, you know me. I'm squirrely at the best of I times, know. but even it's more so now. <laughs> it's happening. What are you laughing at, Meyer? <laughs> Nothing. I know you too well. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here, Nolan, but we do have a few uh, fan-submitted questions to, to run your way if you do have uh, the time for, to answer these. Yeah, all good. Okay, well, Ryan Lafontaine, who I know that you know, yeah, is wondering about your Pac-Man helmet. Obviously, you've got the Pac-Man logo all over your helmet, but he's wondering if you've actually ever played the video game. Yeah, once or twice. Once or twice? Mm-hmm. Okay, he was under the, you know what, and I was... I can't, I can't say I've, I play yeah. it all the time, or it's my yeah. favorite game growing up, but <laughs> for sure, something... A little, a little cool that I could put on. You know, that's a that's a Laffo question for you. Uh, absolutely, just, there's that not much sure. substance no, to it. No, uh, <laughs> here's one from a guy for the name of Tim Hickaway, who asks, "What jerseys, pucks, or other items have you kept as mementos throughout your hockey career?" Oh, I have a lot. Really? Yeah, I got I got a lot. You, I got. So you have every, a shrine. Yeah, I not a, not a shrine, <laughs> but I have like a, I have like a dresser. Okay, kind of with all my pictures and stuff. I have uh, I have three jerseys hanging up in cases mm-hmm. in my basement. So I have my very first blades jersey I got. It was a still old skate blade mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So blue and like blue and white. It wasn't the Pac Man logo. Yeah. So I have that one when I was getting. The first time I met the team when I was drafted, I had that one hanging up. So that was probably one of the coolest ones. Did you wear 73 for that? Yep. Okay, good. Yeah, they put 73 on it for me. Good, good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, on the topic of 73, there's a little bit of a story behind that one too, isn't there, Meyer? Yeah. No, there is. That's uh, 1973 is my mom's birth year. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So I think the trend was going a little bit higher in numbers, so I definitely wanted to kind of honor her with nice. that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, well, one more question here. Um, this one from Candace Royal. Uh, it's a question that she actually got from her eight-year-old son, uh, Javier. And so Javier is wondering, when did you know that you wanted to be a goaltender, and what was the hardest part about being a goaltender back when you were just in minor hockey? Oh, that's a good question. I think I didn't. I didn't start too early, but I think I wanted to be a goalie. My second year novice. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what age group that is. It'd it was, be about eight or nine years old, probably. Yeah, I, I was like probably seven, seven or eight. Like it yeah. wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't too long, and then. The hardest part was because our novice team or it because the team, everyone got a chance to be goalie. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like I got to be goalie every time I played. So it was like my dad was the coach of our novice team when I was growing up. And because he didn't want his coaches, the coaches kid in that every time just because I wanted to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he wouldn't let that happen. So, of course, everyone, everyone on our team got a chance to play goal. I know my favorite thing was every time I was in that, I never wanted to get out. Some of that was like, oh, dang, he's a goalie. <laughs> that was his first. That was his first thought. But that was probably the hardest thing, <laughs> not being, they're not being allowed to, because of such a young age and everyone needs a turn, especially when you know that that's what you want to do. Yeah. 
What was it about being a goaltender back then that drew you to doing that? Uh, when I was younger, it was about the gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, me- I still remember my first set of gear. I fell in love with it. And I-, I still do. I still love making new setups and I love the style part of it and mm-hmm. the helmets and just everything about it. And you're and you're making a change in that respect this off season, I understand. Yeah, yeah, I made a bit of a change. Why? What's going on? Uh, just the feel. Okay. I think there's times where I don't know. You get too comfortable, and I thought it was a good time to switch things up. Cool. Excellent. Well, I think that does it. That's, that's I just anything? I just can't wait to see you. That, I, I know. Mean, that's really no, what it's all about. All the guys. guys I mean, yeah. I want to. I want to see these guys. I want to get back to playing, and let's get going because ten months off season is way too long. It really is way too long. Way too long. No, it's it's refreshing from our perspective too, Nolan, just to talk to someone who's directly linked in with the team, and it gets us excited for, you know, for when you're back, for when the rest of the team is back, and hopefully for when uh, when things start feeling like normal. And you know, I'm yeah. crossing my fingers and toes that it's not going to be. Uh, too, too much longer before you're back and we can start putting the world back together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank, thank you, man. Yeah. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot, Nolan. Yeah, thank you, guys. Hopefully, Always a pleasure. See you sooner than later. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay. All righty. Take care. Such a pleasure to have Nolan Meyer come on. Uh, obviously, very well-spoken. Yep. A lot of fun just to, to talk about his early days with the Blades. I know a lot of our listeners would remember when he left his first impression and a couple of the games that you had mentioned, too. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about him is he's well-spoken. He's very thoughtful, too. Yeah. He doesn't just blurt out answers. There's, no, he thinks. He takes a moment and thinks about it and then, you know, makes sure he gets it right the first time. And I'm, I've always been appreciative of him uh, and his and his ability to help me out, to be able to chat, always be willing. Yeah. The smile is always there no matter how good, how bad, how, you know, fair to Midland it's been for him. He's always there and ready to go, and it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. It's going to be weird, though, Mitch, when we do get to playing here at 24 game season, and there's two good goaltenders. You got mm-hmm. Nolan Meyer, and you got Cohen McInnes, and they're yeah. both going to want to play Great as many of those 24 games as possible. Yeah, boy, if you're Mitch Love and the coaching staff making that decision on a night to night basis, <laughs> uh, that's not going to be easy. It's not easy. But it's a good problem to have. It is a good problem. That is yeah. a strength. Yeah. Goaltending with the Blades is a strength of theirs going into this season. And I'm going to say this right now, Mitch. I'm going to get this out of the way because I've been chomping <laughs> at the bit to say it. Okay. But next week, when we're on this Blades Uncut podcast, on episode 26, I am think, I, I'm fairly certain that we will have something very positive to talk about with regards to to that 24-game season. That's all I'm going to say for very now. Very positive to I talk think, about. I think we've got something very okay. positive coming down the line to talk about next week. I, I'm, I like in, it. In my, it is my hope of hopes that that's going to be the case. Can I press a little bit more? What sort of positivity are we talking Are we talking a start date? Yeah. I, I, think, start, I, I, think, okay. I think we're going to know when we're getting going. Okay. I, I really think we're going to have 20, something. You know, it's just unfortunate that we got to wait until episode 26. But, no, news is, uh, like you say, hopefully news is going to be coming out, and I like your optimism. Well, there's a lot of people around the league who are very optimistic yeah. right now, and, I, and I've heard that in their voices and in conversations with those various people. So yeah. I'm thinking that when I say sooner than later, I really mean sooner than later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. 
All right. I like the twinkle in your eye. Oh, yeah. 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 There's yeah. a twinkle. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, let's uh, look into this week's trivia question. How about, okay? okay. So, obviously, a big pleasure to have Nolan Meyer come on. Now, not only is he a tremendously well-spoken, talented mm-hmm. goaltender, but he's also closing in on a, on a franchise record. Yep. All right. And that's the franchise record for wins by a goaltender. He's currently got 79 to his name. Who is the current record holder in that department, and how many wins do they have? I had to ask you for a little bit of background knowledge on this mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I know all about this one, because I've been <laughs> following Nolan's pursuit, not just of this record, but also the game's played record, and also the shutouts record. Those are other potential mm-hmm. trivia questions for down we'll the line. Keep them, we'll definitely keep, keep those in mind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. So that's the question. Nolan Meyer is closing in on the franchise record for wins, but who is the current record holder and how many wins do they have? If you know the answer, head to SaskatoonBlades.com, find the interactive tab, click on Blades Uncut Podcast, and fill out the form. Or you can drop us a message in Facebook or Twitter. We are keeping tabs on all of the correct responses and will randomly decide a winner if your name is chosen. If your answer is chosen, you yep. are the winner of a $25 gift card to the Frozen Pond. As we are watching the sands of time close down on mm-hmm. this Blades Uncut podcast, reminder that it is also brought to you by Save On Foods. Let Save On Foods do the shopping for you. Shop online today at saveonfoods.com. As we are close to wrapping up episode number 25 of the Blades Uncut podcast, brought to you by Great Western Brewing Company. You know, earlier this week, I don't even know if you watched it. Nope. Did you watch it? I have not. Did not. Okay. Well, I know you're a golf fan. I am. Are you a Tiger Woods fan? Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> I, the, the the PGA Tour is a much yep. better tour to watch when Tiger Woods is able to play and able to play well. Yeah. So. Well, HBO recently uh, aired a, a two-night, it was back-to-back Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, an extremely thorough documentary highlighting not just Tiger's childhood and his rise to glory, but really went into the nitty-gritties around his fall from grace. Mm -hmm. Talked to a lot of people. Tiger did not go on the record for this documentary. Nope. Okay. Have you heard anything? I've heard about it. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a pretty powerful documentary. It is. You're going to have to watch it because I want to talk to to you about it. I'm going to have to watch it, yes. A lot, uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of... uh, polarized sides to this documentary. A lot of people like it. I found it very interesting to hear from a lot of his peers who went, you know, on the record and spoke very candidly. The story with Steve Williams Mm -hmm. talking a lot about, you know, his His relationship. His his his, first caddy. His first caddy. Yes. Who he won a vast majority of his major championships with. Actually, his second caddy, sorry, because he had Fluff Cowan. As his first caddy. Oh, waves. That's way, way right. back. Yes. And then Steve Williams. Yeah, and, and then now. Steve Williams, yeah. So hearing from Steve Williams and the relationship that they had, not just on the golf course, but off the golf course, mm-hmm. and where that relationship is right now and how drastically it turned into yeah. essentially nothing. Interesting stuff. There's yeah. a lot of interesting really interesting, captivating stuff in this documentary. I highly recommend you give okay, it a watch. I will, because yeah. he is a very polarizing figure. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Even if you aren't a golf fan, you know who Tiger Woods is. Oh, I yeah. know people. Yeah. Hello, my wife, who don't, as soon as they hear <laughs> his name, don't want to hear anything more about him. Mm-hmm. And then there's people like myself who don't care about some of that other stuff, know that it's not right what yeah. he did and all the rest of that. 
but just love the idea of him being in contention in the final round of a golf tournament and really making it the theater that golf yeah. can become, like winning the Masters. Uh, a couple of years ago in 2019. Yep. That was phenomenal Unbelievable. theater. Unbelievable. The only problem is, will he be able to play in the 2021 Masters having just undergone another back surgery? Here's here's my thought with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is just my thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be coming out with something that's completely false. Okay. But I don't think that he just very recently got this back surgery. Yeah, that's possible. I think he got it immediately after the event that he played with his son, Charlie Woods. Yeah. He waited until the day after this documentary wrapped up to announce it. Yeah. So he's out of the public light. Now people have reasons why. But I think he's been recovering from the surgery for a few weeks now, yeah. not just a couple of days. Good. To the I, point. I, I hope he can play. I, I hope he can. And I think, you know, he's obviously, he's not playing in the next two events. No. But you know that if there's one event in the entire calendar year that Tiger Woods has circled on his calendar... It's the Masters. It's Augusta. He wants to be ready for April. It's Augusta in April, and uh, even his 45-year-old creaky body will be ready to go for it, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Speaking of Charlie Woods, have you seen his golf swing? Yes. Makes me sick. I'm almost ready to place some bets on him becoming world number one before Tiger Woods retires. Mm, he's pretty young still. He is young. He's only nine years old. Yeah, exactly. But he's got a swing. Oh, yeah. What I find fascinating with Charlie Woods is how he emulates his dad so much. Not just the swing, but how he goes about the golf course, looking at the yardage books, his fist pump mm-hmm. in the second round of that golf tournament with his dad. Uh, you know, he is just a, a mini-me when it comes to a Tiger mini, Woods. A mini-Tiger Woods-me. Yeah. <laughs> and no, if, we, if we can go through another 20, 25 years with a Tiger Woods look-alike, then I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Eh? Why not? Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 25 of the Blades Uncut podcast. Yes. Thank you for inviting me in, Les. Why Not don't a we problem. wrap it up, okay? Panky invited us in, and thanks yeah. to Panky for putting it all together as yeah. per usual. And again, this podcast is available in all kinds of places, including mm-hmm. cjwwradio.com, and you know yeah. the rest of the list. That's, yeah, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yeah. Google Play, yeah. uh, iHeartRadio. You know, I don't even have them memorized yet, but it's true. All of You're this, a lot better than I know. I I've, 25 episodes of doing this, and I still don't have them memorized. I still have to think about it. I but. can't remember what I had for lunch <laughs> just now, for heaven's sake. <laughs> all of the major streaming platforms, you can yes. find this Blades Uncut podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, keeping us going. It sounds like we're going to have some some things to talk about Tune in, in next 26. week. Tune in next week. I have a funny feeling. All right. We will be back next Thursday. Take care.